0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mindful Mystics. I hope that's what our show is called. (laughs) Oh, my God. I knew as soon as I started doing the intro, I panicked. I was like, what's it called? Cheryl is the only one who remembers the, the name. I don't know why. I always want to call us Modern Mystics. Don't know why. Anyway, welcome to another episode of Mindful Mystics. I am Karen Frazier, the one who can't remember the name of our show. And with me as always, my good friends and co-hosts Cheryl Knight Wilson and Chucky G a hey guys. Hello. Good
1: evening. How's everyone doing?
2: Well, good. good I now. feel like I
0: just saw you. Well, that's because you did. <laughs> <I> just...
2: <laughs> yes, you guys did.
0: We just uh-huh. got back. We just got back from Sedona. We had a nice mm-hmm. meet- we had a good yep. time. We we mm-hmm. traveled all around Northern Arizona and did Northern Arizona things. And it was lovely. And I'm sure that Chad is still resting from it. And I'm sure Corey, as soon as so Cheryl's son, Corey, as soon as, as soon as we all left, he probably went, oh, thank God. <laughs> they both had
1: an amazing time. Um, Chad, Chad is still resting.
2: <laughs> so, Poor yeah. Chad.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Chucky G is really happy because we made it back.
2: Yes, yes, we made it back. we made it and back. You can, back. You can Remember, portals the, or anything? Or that no, good. we
0: did, we our, tried, did, we we did try the down. UFO thing, nothing happened,
2: yeah, nothing happened, nothing, oh, man.
0: not a yeah. thing. Nope, not a- we're gonna keep trying. Nope, okay, we have other things we'll try, but we'll just have to keep trying individually. Okay, well, that's cool. All right. Okay, cool. So I'm super excited about our guest today. Uh, She is a friend of mine. And I just think that the work that she does is absolutely amazing. She, and this is going to be an emotional one for me. So I'll try not to cry. Um, She is a pet loss specialist. And um, I have worked with her with, with my dog monkey who is no longer with us, but back when monkey was alive, I worked with her with monkey and she was miraculous in what she did and helping me with monkey. Um, and she has written a book, a book that I recently read and absolutely. I like the, I read the whole thing with tears streaming down my face. Uh, the book is called the pet. I can't forget. And the person joining us is another Karen. She's one of the Karens. Welcome Karen Anderson.
3: Yeah, Thank you so much. It's the Karen and Karen and Cheryl and Chucky show today.
0: That's right. I'm really excited to have you with us um, because like I say, you sent me the book to read and um, oh my God. I, I, we, we've had, you know, we had four dogs, and and now we have none, and we've sort of they've aged out of the system in the last couple of years, and it was the book I needed to read. So thank you for writing it. It is an absolutely beautiful book.
3: Well, I will never get tired of hearing you say that, and I appreciate it so much, because during the process of writing the manuscript, I lost, I lost eight of my companions. Oh my gosh every time I finally got to the point where I felt like I could start writing again, I'd lose another one and I'd go right back down that rabbit hole again. So there is like so much emotion poured into every single chapter and every single story. And it really is, it's not a sad book. I mean, I know we, there's sad stories in it,
0: but it's also very inspiring. Don't you think? I think it's, it's, it's inspiring. And part of what I was crying with was happiness. It was like, oh, that's right. And it's stuff that I kind of know, right? Like that our loved ones don't leave us. But it felt like my animals were talking to me in the way that you wrote this book.
3: I really, really appreciate that. It is written from a very unique perspective. So you know, it gives you insight into the minds of the animals, because of course, you know, I conducted animal communication sessions for over 26 years. And I have all of that, uh, those incredible stories and the insight from them, I brought all of that forward into this book, with actual real life stories from people just like you and me and, and, somebody who loves their beloved companions. And I rolled it all into this book and it just, I don't know, there's just something super special about it. I'm so
0: proud of it. You should be. It's a really wonderful book. So yeah, I just really like it. So I'm going to tell on myself a little bit because I don't even think I've ever told you this story, Karen. Um, Back when Cheryl first started Paranormal Underground magazine, um, I was writing for her and I wrote a blog for the magazine as well. And I was listening to something on the radio and there was a, a pet psychic on there is what she called herself was pet psychic wasn't you. Um, And but just it felt it didn't ring true to me when she was when I was listening to this, this woman. Um, and so I wrote a blog about it. And I was like, Yeah, I'm not really sure about uh, you know, and I explained I'd listen to the radio. And this was, by the way, back when I was still absolutely in denial about my own abilities and highly skeptical and all of this stuff. And so my blog was essentially, I'm not really sure about pet pet psychics. And I, I don't really know about that. And I had a lot of pets at the time. And um, a lady commented on the blog, her name was Heidi Wright, I believe. And she, she said, you know, talk to me. And let's see. And then after that, I met you, and I talked to her, and I've clearly had an extreme change of heart, especially with the work that you did with with Monkey, um, and just what I've known of you for for these several years. But yeah, I, I in the beginning I was just nah, that's not a thing.
3: I believe it. I, yeah, I do get that a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I thought the whole thing was like hocus pocus, bunch of hooey nonsense, you know. I came from a background of law enforcement, where if you don't have evidence, you don't have a case. If you can't hold it in your hand and prove it evidence, you're wasting my time, basically. So I get it. I come from a skeptical mindset, but I also come from, I love my animals mindset. And so I combine that with wanting to know more about them. Discovered there was an actual term called animal communicator, which, you know, I had never heard that term before. I'd heard the word psychic, but, you know, that just doesn't have a really good history connotation to it. So I learned about animal communication and I thought, this seems really familiar to me. And it turns out that it's what I was doing as a kid and just didn't know it was called something. So I get it. I totally get it. And all the people out there who are questioning, you know, yeah, right. There is no such thing. Animals can't talk. I get it. 100%. But guess what? I got proof now. <laughs> <laughs> i got the proof. <laughs> so
1: Karen, so the proof. So um, you have a book called The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, right? Yes. And, um, I was able to read that book. And it really blew my mind. I'm just gonna say, um, you talk about some things in there that it, it just it' just baffled me because I didn't view pets in that way. I didn't view animals in that way, right? Coming from my own experience. Um, and it really it really altered my thinking about, about pets. Um, there were some cases in there that you shared that were amazing. And for, for, for those who don't think that, that pets can communicate or inter interact in an intelligent way with people, what would you say to those doubters or skeptics?
3: I would say, you know what? Um, we really can't say that we don't like uh, broccoli unless we've tried it. We can't say that we don't like to, um, you know, sh- go skydiving if we've never gone skydiving. We don't know these things. we're we're making an assumption. So if you want to make assumptions, that's fine, but I come from the let's try it and see what happens and then i can comment about it or formulate an opinion about it because i'm more knowledgeable and more informed and i'm not just making an assumption that it can't be real
2: so i got a question for you uh being a psychic medium and an animal healer how how do they how do you pick up on what they're trying to tell you I was always curious about other people and how they go about yeah, getting the information.
3: Absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's kind of a little of everything. And what I mostly receive are I hear things, I hear messages, I hear words, I hear sentences, I hear names. Mm-hmm. I'm very clear audience, but animals will send a message the way it's easiest for them. So they Mm -hmm. don't always take into consideration that Karen Anderson is clairaudient. However, I work very closely with my guides and they have a very good track record of sending the messages to me in a format that I will understand. Mm -hmm. So that message can come to me uh, quickly as an image. may come Mm -hmm. to me as a feeling and emotion. I may hear a word. I may hear a sentence, a sound. Sometimes I get all of the above all at the same time. It just really depends on the sender also Uh depends on my level of receptivity on any given day because we all know that those abilities ebb and flow you know you have ups and downs and you're kind of all over the place sometimes Uh Uh, so it, it really just depends it's kind of multitasking to the nth degree in the in the A region of psychic abilities
2: Mm -hmm. yeah uh, that makes sense because it's kind of the same way that happens with me so i was just curious at at how you uh, process that and um, on that same level or same what we're talking about it's uh, can you give us anything that um has been like profound coming from a an animal versus you know the the normal, like, Hey man, feed me my kibble instead of, you know, this or that, you know what I mean? But is there anything that you've really found that kind of surprised you, I guess?
3: Absolutely. You know, there's um, I never know what an animal is going to say. And so I have to go in very uh, neutral and very open and just be, uh, I have to create an environment to be ready to receive whatever they want to share, because I, I always let the animals share first. I don't throw a bunch of questions at them. What's your favorite treat? What's your favorite toy? I don't like asking the animals questions that you already know the answers to. I think that defeats Mm. the whole purpose of animal communication. Let's find out things we don't know. Let's discover what's important to them, what they want to talk about. What do they know? What can they tell us about ourselves, our future, our past, our past lives? Don't we want to know that stuff more than they had, uh, you know, chicken for breakfast. I mean.
2: (laughs) Yes, correct. Yeah, I would agree.
3: Okay. So I usually give the animals the opportunity to share first. I would give very little time for questions because in my opinion, the animals deserve the opportunity to share. I give them the respect to share whatever they want to talk about. And I honor what they want to talk about. And I also, you can get this to everyone who yeah. does psychic work here.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I honor the things they don't want to talk about,
2: mm-hmm. such
3: right. as death and dying. But I'm going to back up the bus. So I'm going to okay. go back to what you said about do I have a profound story? Yes. And, you know, feel free to tell me to stop talking so much because <laughs> I get talking about these stories. I can't help it. I I, I just can't stop. So, mm-hmm. Um, I had a client where a phone session. So all I have is a picture and it was of a a cat that had passed on. And sadly, uh, this kind lady, the client of mine, uh, she called in because she had accidentally uh, late for an office meeting or something. She accidentally backed out of the garage, didn't see the cat and ran it over. She didn't kill it. It didn't (laughs) die in that moment um it it kind of hung around for a little while but it never fully recovered mm-hmm. from that incident so she was you know just horribly uh, feeling guilty and just you know responsible for the death of this cat that she loved so much she rescued him off the streets and you know they had bonded and he was just so special to her he was everything and you know she was just hor- horribly broken And so um, all I had was a picture of the face of the cat. And so when I connected, I just let him share whatever it wanted to talk about. And he did. And uh, during the session, he kept showing me, this is going to be a a little bit of a trigger warning for people. I'm sorry. Um, But if you're sensitive, you might want to mute me out, but he kept showing me um, a human leg, That was amputated. That wasn't all, it wasn't bloody or anything. It kind of looked like a a leg off of a doll, you Mm -hmm. know, like Mm -hmm. someone had just taken the leg off a doll. So it wasn't all gross or anything like that. But I kept seeing this amputated leg and I, I didn't know what it was about and I didn't want to upset this client anymore. So I didn't mention it well into the session three times. The cat showed me this, leg, this amputated leg. And I have a rule that if an animal shows me or tells me something three times, that's it. I I have to share it no matter what it is, because it's important. And obviously this was an important message. So very carefully, I asked the client if the cat had lost a leg. Did the cat have a leg amputated because of this accident? Because it kept showing me an amputated leg. And she got real quiet. And then she started sobbing and didn't stop. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have just sunk my own ship here. I just made her feel worse than she was already feeling And then she started saying, I can't believe you're saying this. I can't believe you're saying this. When she was finally able to regain composure, she said, Karen, you don't know how much this means to me in a good way. And I said, Well, please tell me because I feel horrible right now. She said, No, no, no. She said, He didn't lose a leg because of the accident that he had. She goes, Three months after he passed away, I was in a horrible car accident, and my leg was amputated, and I have felt his presence next to me during my recovery.
2: Oh, wow. That is cool.
0: Yeah, that is cool. Do you mind if I ask you something directly from the book? I mean, I'm not going to give away the whole book. Sure. Because I really want people to read it. But um, this was something that really struck me and was super emotional for me. And I'll even explain why. You mentioned that that a lot of our pets will continue to try c- to come back to us in other pet form, usually the same species. Um, but then you also, as you're talking about this, you also mention that sometimes when two pets are close, when one pet passes, it it kind of joins the other pet in their body and that pet sometimes goes downhill fairly quickly as a result of that because it's hard for them to have two am i interpreting this right so far what i read yeah
3: yeah you are okay
0: so my dog mickey when my when monkey died mickey was still pretty good um and he went downhill really fast. He was gone within six months of her. And it was like night and day, like um, cognitive decline and physical decline and everything else. And so, and I just always thought he was pining away, missing her. Um, And now I wonder, and I, I think I misinterpreted it. And I think what happened is what you said, that she wanted to stay around. So she joined him. And he, he cognitively de- declined because she was with him. So is that a, a fairly common thing that happens? And do people misinterpret that sometimes like I had done? I think so. I think, you know, th-
3: there's a whole awakening we have when we realize what actually happens to the soul or spirit of an animal. And, you know, really, truly, I know only a tiny little portion of the tip of the iceberg because there's so much still to learn about it. But I think that a lot of people would be surprised to know that things like this can happen and do happen. And it, it is really fascinating to me. I mean, it's it, when you think
0: about it, doesn't it make sense? I mean, oh, it, really- makes, it makes, yeah, it makes total sense because Mickey, that same dog, when our older dog Spike died, for like a week, this was the most, Mickey was the Woody Allen of dogs. Very timid, very nervous. And um, so when Spike died, Spike was our alpha, our little alpha dog. He acted like Spike for like a week. And Jim and I were like, what? Right. right. <laughs> and then he stopped. And then, and so, and at the time I just thought, well, maybe that's how he's grieving or I don't know you know, or maybe he's relieved because he can be alpha now. I didn't know, but then he declined so quickly after monkey was gone. I just thought, huh, it makes sense.
3: It does make sense. And there is a little bit of, I call it, you know, soul sharing or combined souls. There's, there's several different terms for it. And, you know, our departed companions can come back in and share a soul with our living companions. They can pop in for a short time and you might see your other companion doing a behavior that the one that passed away used to do, or sit in the same place, or sleep in the same bed, and you think, hmm, that's weird. You know, that's that's what the other one used to do. And they may stay in there for the duration of that companion's life. And if they do, I have found that those combined souls, that when they share like that, they tend to decline more rapidly. It's kind of like burning the candle on both ends. And, you know, we we say in the psychic realm, never say never and never say always. It doesn't always happen. And you you just have to, to know that each situation is unique. But it would certainly make sense that, you know, animals live too short of a life anyhow, right? So if you have two souls in there, sharing the same physical body you can imagine that that would certainly cause them to maybe decline more rapidly so i think there's just so much we have yet to learn and understand and it's fascinating
0: it is and it's it's also comforting like i say your book gave me so much comfort And I mean, I didn't even really know how much I was still grieving for my pets until I read your book. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, I just, just the ugly cry. I think Jim was at work. He missed all of it. So, um, but there's, there's so much in there that you offer. That's so comforting and it's why I want people to read it. Right. Um, not just the soul sharing, but just, the love that they have for us, and the fact that they stay around us, like I've been I've had many times where we used to call monkey face Ripper monkey, and of course, Karen, you know our history because she was a little bit of a terror at night sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although she, she, you know that she after after we did that, she with you she quit she never did that again.
3: Are you serious?
0: dead serious? Oh, yeah, oh
3: my gosh, wow. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. that makes me feel good.
0: Yeah. Well, so really, really quickly for people listening, Monkey used to get up in the middle of the night and she would bark to come back to bed and she would bark until somebody came and carried her. And this had gone on for seven years, and we finally <laughs> were like, Help. And so Karen had one session with Monkey, who was the princess of the world, apparently. And and it never happened again. <laughs> well, woohoo! Yay, me. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. But anyway, but so we call her face ripper, we would call her face ripper monkey, because at night, sometimes I would be asleep. And she would be she had a little bed that was like right next to my pillow, kind of that she would sleep in. And she would reach out if she wanted me to do something, she would whack me in the face. And (laughs) so after she's been gone there have been times when I've had that happen while I was asleep where I feel that little paw in my face where I feel a little face ripper monkey or where when I would sit here on the couch she would come and she would stick her she had the strongest she was four pounds and she had the strongest neck on the planet right like and she would stick her little head underneath me and and she would actually like nuzzle me but she would nuzzle me so hard she would send my head flying backwards (laughs) she had a strong head and I'll feel that and I'll notice things like that happen every once in a while less now but especially in the beginning it it happened a lot and um, I just kind of always even though I have talked to dead people as you know um, I've always kind of thought oh well that's such wishful thinking I know it's just me wanting this but and that's I think why your book was such a catharsis because I was like no that was real
3: yeah it it is real and you know, uh, how many are listening right now that are thinking, well, I haven't gotten any signs or I haven't had any dreams or I haven't found any feathers or coins or, you know, how many people are thinking that. And then right away they think, well, then my pet must not love me because they're not sending me a sign. And this is another part of the book that I wrote about to explain that that is actually the exact opposite of what's going on. And yes, animals send us signs and messages. They send us objects, sounds, um, songs. I mean, you name it. They get so creative to all the different signs they can send us. But the ones that are with us the most, that share our space and our energy are often less likely to send a message or a sign because they don't feel the need to because they're around us all the time so it's not like hey i'm popping in to say hi it's like hey they've been here the whole time so they don't need to tell you hey i'm here again hey i'm here again hey i'm here again because they're there The whole time for the duration. So I hope that helps because a lot of people will write to me and say, I haven't gotten a sign. And I think, you know what? Either you have and you just haven't felt it or sensed it because of the grief and the emotions, because it is hard to sense anything when you're grieving. But I'll bet you anything that their companion is with them the most and they don't feel the need to send a sign.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that you you talk about in the book that I kind of wanted you to to address is that a lot of them try to come back to us in other pet form. Um, And so, like, to me, that almost broke my heart because we're of an age where we want to travel now. and, And so we're not getting any more pets, which means that they can't come back to me. But at the same time, what a comfort that maybe, you know, someday a little stray dog who winds up in my backyard could be coming back to me.
3: I agree. But that's just part of the ebb and flow and the nature of reincarnation and coming back. And it's really okay, because if they don't catch us in this lifetime, they'll catch us in the next 100 lifetimes. So you know, we're just dropping the bucket in this physical lifetime that we're in. And in the afterlife, there's no clocks or calendars. So it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So I don't really feel like you should feel bad about that because it'll happen when it's supposed to happen and not a moment sooner.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I have a multi-part question.
1: Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, first part, (laughs) multi-part. The first part
0: is... How do I ask she's, she's waiting. She's waiting for you to get your pen so you can write this all down as she asks Karen. So that you can respond to each part. <laughs> I begin? Okay. Oh, the first part,
1: we're, can animal spirits evolve into human spirits? Is that a thing? And then, well, let's start there. <laughs>
3: okay. okay. Um, Absolutely, yes, it does happen, it can happen. It, I would say it's not the common route. Okay, normally cats come back as cats, dogs come back as dogs, horses, horses, birds, birds, humans, humans. But I have found also that when it comes to reincarnation, that it's a, if it's in the highest and best good for the soul, for the progression of the soul, and the growth of that individual soul throughout another lifetime to come back and change species. It's absolutely possible. And I don't believe there is a rule book about reincarnation that says, Nope, sorry, you're a dog in this lifetime. You can't come back next time as a human. I don't think such a rule book exists.
0: And I've I know. just go ahead. Oh, go
3: ahead. No, I've just heard that it's very possible but in my experience, it's not common.
0: I mean, I know some people that I swear are in their first life after being a Labrador retriever. So, <laughs> you know, you you all know at least one person like that, right?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, this. Le- OK, so let's go on to the second part. So, OK, taking my son's pets as an example, he has three cats. Um, Gigi, Angel, and Mittens. Each of them has a very distinct personality. Okay, one is shy. One is super sweet. One is like in your face and like peers into your soul. <laughs> so does it, this has to be more than just their one to two years of life training. I feel like it has to come back with them from a past life. Is that feasible or is that not Something that makes sense.
3: No, you're right on you're right on track. I mean, that's absolutely what you're describing there. You've you've described something. Some people call it an old soul. Like even if they get a young animal, they'll say, you know, it just has an old soul, or they they act so much older and wiser or so much more mature, or whatever the, you know, whatever it is. You are absolutely experiencing a soul that has been here many, many, many times or has been with you many, many, many times because it is in my experience that we are coded. We have a, our soul has a code just like the UPC code on at the grocery store on a, you know, mm-hmm. product. So if we pass away and let's say we're in uh, the afterlife and we come back three you know, generations from now, you know, maybe 300 years from now, our departed loved ones, animals and human will be able to find us easily because we're coded to the same soul group. So that's how we find each other. It's kind of like an imprint, a thumbprint. It's unique to us, and that's how we find each other. So in that situation, I do feel that many times we experience a very, very progressed soul version. You're not just seeing a puppy or kitten that's been here for the first time. You're seeing a soul that is literally coming back hundreds, if not thousands of times in, in the history of millennia. I mean, that's really amazing when you,
1: when you try and think about that. Um, Do pets, and animals exist on the same spiritual plane as humans or on a different spiritual plane and how, if so, how do, how do we, and they make these soul con group contracts, soul contracts. Like if we're on different levels of spiritual, spiritual planes.
3: Well, when I conducted my sessions. I never felt like I had to go to a different dimension to bring an animal or a human forward. They willingly came forward together. So I do believe there are different levels in the spiritual realm, levels of progression, just like we graduate from junior high into high school and high school Mm -hmm. into college and so on. I do feel there is a progression in that sense but I don't know that there is a separation, like all you animals, you're on, you know, the second level and humans, you're on the third level. I haven't experienced that. I'm not saying it doesn't exist because, you know, what? I'm just me, right? I'm just sharing my experiences. They come through together. So I have to believe that they have access to each other in This dimension in this realm, the afterlife realm, the spiritual realm, whatever you want to call it, I do think that our ability as a soul to visit other dimensions and realms, absolutely. I think we can do lots of things in the afterlife. We're not bound like we are here on earth to this dimension that we're in. I think we can access different levels in our higher self meditation. We can access those higher dimensions, those other realms as well. So I really think it's possible that there's a lot of interdimensional travel. I know that animals and humans, the the ones that I communicate with are, are beings of the light. I only work with uh, white light beings, meaning I don't Dwell in any dark energies or or that sort of thing. That's just not my area of expertise. So I'm only speaking today about beings of the light, and so they're very highly evolved souls. These are are truly you know people who love their animals, animals who love their people. These are very um, kind and giving and wonderful souls that are coming through to deliver messages to their loved ones that are still here in physical form to help them heal or to help them through a difficult time through the pain of a loss or a a rough time in their life or to help them realize, hey, there really is an afterlife. Physical death isn't the end. And and I'm here today to to show you that there's more to life than just the physical experience that you're having right now. Did I answer your question? I got kind of like off on a whole other thing there. No, you did. And thank you. Um,
1: I appreciate it because it, it's, I mean, the questions themselves are pretty abstract. <laughs> so I I want to thank you for putting some structure and definition around them because it does make a lot of sense when you, when you talk about it. So thank you.
3: Well, good. I'm glad that made sense. I, I feel sometimes like, you know, when i when I do a show like yours, we could literally talk for hours and and never cover all the bases, right? Right.
2: Mm-hmm. I got a question for you, actually a couple, but we'll, we'll try it with this one. So, um, so I'd like to talk about living animals, okay, versus the ones that have already passed. Um, if an animal, you know, if an animal passes a natural causes, it's an older animal, just like a person. Um, do you ever have you ever run into when you're communicating with someone's pet or animal that they start recalling or can recall past life from being reincarnated? Sort of like a, a human will, you know what I mean? Where they're just, they know that they've been been somebody else or they've experienced all these different experiences and maybe they're not quite sure. Sort of the same thing as, a, like I said, like a, a person would do.
3: You know, usually when an animal shares a past life experience with me, mm-hmm. they're sharing something that directly relates to the client that I'm working with. So sure. they may say something like, you know, they were they were with you in a past life. They were, you know, perhaps a, a, an animal. I I've actually had situations come through where a cat or a dog, let's say in this lifetime, comes through and shows me that they were in, in a battle with their human, like back mm-hmm. in the 1400s, you know, yes, in, yes, in in Europe or something. I mean, there's crazy images that come through, okay. and they'll show me they died on the battlefield together, and that in the next lifetime, the horse came back as the person, the person came back as the animal, and they kind of switched roles. I mean, I've seen all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's usually pertaining to the client that I'm on the phone with. So I generally don't see anything that doesn't directly correlate to that person, probably because my mind is so focused on delivering something that the, the client will understand that Correct. makes sense to the client. So yeah. I, I probably reduce the amount of information just because I want to deliver accurate messages to them, something that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. I've had this happen too, Chucky where I'll say to the client, you know, I'm seeing Egypt. I've got like pyramids and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm seeing the Nile and, you know, things like this. And the, the client will tell me that they've had this fascination with ancient Egypt and they just can't explain it. They just feel so drawn to ancient Egypt. So yep. those things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Where the animal right, yeah. will, send me flashes and images from that past life, although they don't come forward and say, you know, I was a goddess or priestess or Mm -hmm. priest or whatever in the past life with my mom or dad, but they'll just start flashing images at me that the person goes, oh, wait a sec. I know what that is. You know, Mm -hmm. I totally get that. So, you know, when you talk to an animal, it's not always like when you talk to a human, they, they don't always feel the need to speak in a complete sentence. You might only get a fraction or a blip or Mm -hmm. a a real fast word or sound. So it's really kind of a game of charades. I have to piece together Mm -hmm. the pieces of evidence that they give me and then deliver that to the client so that it makes some sort of sense to them. And it really takes all of our energy. And you guys know this who who've done psychic readings. Mm It's it's a combined effort. It's a group effort. You know, everybody has to be open and ready to receive and excited. And, and, you know, it's, it takes that combined effort to really provide the best results because there's so much atmosphere in the way and there's humanness that gets in the way. So, yeah,
2: it's a lot of teamwork. I I would agree on that. You know, when you do readings or even if I'm doing healing on an animal, it's, 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 I guess I call it spotty because like you said, it's just pieces and bits and pieces and I'm seeing certain things and kind of trying to figure out where to go with it. So I do understand, uh, where you're coming on that. Um, I guess another question would be just out of my curiosity. Um, have you ever run across, um, we'll just talk like near death for a, a person. Have you ever come across near death for an animal where they've, uh, Passed, but then were brought back, um and then um, maybe had thoughts of the afterlife on their terms, the way they would see it.
3: Wow that is a that is something I've never experienced. I've never experienced a near death or an animal telling me about passing away and then coming back again into the same lifetime. I've never had that happen, mm-hmm. and I have literally documented over twenty two thousand sessions. So. That's not saying it doesn't happen. Again, right. it's lim- limited to my humanness and my own abilities as, as a as a psychic and a medium. But wow, what a fantastic thought that that yeah. could happen. I mean, it happens yeah. to us, so why right. not?
2: Right? right, exactly. I was just curious because you know I've never run across it either. But uh I just was, yeah. I figured, well. You know, you do it too. So let's just find wow. out if maybe you had wow. the experience. So that's yeah, just curious. That's a great update. question,
0: Chuck. Yeah. It no, thanks.
2: Okay. Well, thank you.
0: So, yeah. have you ever communicated with a marine mammal?
3: I have, but keep in mind the majority of my sessions over the years were for cats, dogs, horses, parrots. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
0: I know. Companions. I just. yes, I'm, yes. I'm very curious um, because I. So I do a lot of, um, I'm a water person and I spend, I've spent a lot of time on the water in my life and spent time out amongst pods of orcas and dolphins and, and all of that stuff and, and whales. And there's something about them that seems even, I don't know, like wiser than humans almost. And so I'm curious if you've ever communicated with any of those and gotten any sense of, of what that might be about.
3: I have. I spent a lot of time, I used to live in the Northern California area. I'm originally from Southern California, but I lived in the Petaluma area for a while and s- spent a lot of time going up and down the coast. And there's the, the aquarium there in Monterey that I used to go and just sit and communicate with the animals because I mean, where else are you going to see, you know, sharks and you know, every sea creature that you could imagine just right there. So I would go and communicate with them. And it it is totally different. It is a completely different experience, mostly because we can't really validate the way that we can with, you know, a companion animal, because, you know, we don't know what these sea creatures are doing day and night. So how can we validate what they're telling us? but the information that they were giving me, the messages that they were sharing with me were very profound and very philosophical. And it kind of blew me away. And I'll never forget, I was connecting with an orca one time and this was in a confined theme park kind of place. And this whale said to me, it's all about the territory and there was this sadness. I felt this overwhelming sadness that the territory was so limited. And that's when I just really realized how cruel it is to keep animals in these theme parks that are used to traveling thousands of miles out in the ocean. I mean, I, I always knew that. I mean, I knew that on conscious level, but it never hit me as deeply as it did when i felt the sadness coming from that orca it was it was almost like it couldn't express the depth of sorrow it felt for not being able to experience having a space of their own it it was really moving and very sad and very powerful so it wasn't about the fish it had to eat or jumping the hoops or doing any of that it was more philosophical and more kind of beyond what i thought they would share with me it was very sad
0: yeah and um, they're they're very social creatures so an orca that's kept away from its pod i mean it would be like keeping us away from our people
3: yeah, it, it's um, it's a it's a sad situation, and you know it just really it really bothers me. I'm getting all twitchy right now just thinking about it because it's just it was it was not a fun experience, and I, mm-hmm. I just felt that the heaviness that the animals felt and the frustration. There was a lot of frustration, and that carries out into everything they do. It's like the only thing they focus on is their frustration. So everything is motivated by frustration or it was when I communicated with them I you know again Mm -hmm. never say always or never but uh, it really felt that way in and it really opened my eyes to that whole situation and you know it breaks my heart it truly breaks my heart
0: yeah it's it's definitely tough and like I say so all of the things that we do when I say among them were you know, out in boats and they're nearby and we're not. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're in the wild. Um, and they're just amazing creatures. I d- have dreamed about them even before I spent time near them. So I just have always felt that there's something about them.
3: I think they are literally the, some of the wisest creatures on the planet. When I say wise, I don't mean like, you know, two plus two equals four. I just I- mean that they're, they're just They're earthwise, you know, they're they're just beyond us in many ways when it comes to just habitating this planet. And you know, we have a lot to learn from them, so much we can learn from them. But I I do feel that there is a in every species, you know, take whales, dolphins, chimpanzees, horses, cats, dogs, in every species, you take a hundred animals of each of those. You're gonna have, you know, 10 that are super smart you know, 10 that are super not and the majority are going to fall somewhere in the middle. And that's the same with every species humans too. You know, there's going to be some that just, you know, are really highly evolved and extremely intelligent and some that are not. And I don't think it's specific to a species. I do think that cats will absolutely make a fool out of me every opportunity that (laughs) they are given. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well that's just kind that's just kind of their nature, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah. I,
3: love, I love cats. I have a lot of cats and
2: they're snarky.
3: I just I can't even tell you how many times they've made a complete fool out of me. And I say that in a loving way. Um, you know, I I also am the founder of a nonprofit animal sanctuary, so I've had a lot of cats come through here and experience them but there's just something about them they really enjoy they have a sense of humor that they just really love to kind of get my goat sometimes so to speak (laughs) and play play tricks on me and they love to make me look like a babbling fool sometimes so i love them with all my heart but yeah they can be a challenge sometimes
0: yeah, that sounds like a cat, but that's a perfect segue because I actually wanted to ask you about Painted Rain Ranch. Whoops. Chuck's getting a phone call. Um, so I wanted to ask you about Painted Rain Ranch. That's your animal sanctuary. So what can you tell us about that?
3: Well, thanks for asking because, you know, I have spent my life being the voice for the animals and sharing their messages with their humans. And I just felt that I needed to really walk the walk. And in support of the animals, I decided that I was going to devote the rest of my life to providing a final refuge for all the pets that nobody else wants, at least as many as I can possibly care for and manage in a, you know, the best that I can, and so I created the Painted Rain Ranch Animal Sanctuary. It is a um, a family operated, all volunteer, run strictly by donations. And I rescue the animals that are overlooked in shelters, the ones that no one else wants, the ones that have special needs that are missing a limb or an eye or have very, very bad health issues, or maybe they're elderly. Those are the ones that I bring to my 30 acre ranch and they live here with me and my husband as part of our family for the rest of their natural life. They never get adopted out. They become part of our family here with us.
0: I think that's really beautiful. I, you know, there's, I feel so sad when I think of all of the unwanted animals that wind up in shelters and especially in kill shelters. So bless you for that work.
2: That is cool. Um,
3: Thank you. And on top of that, may I also add that the proceeds from my books and from my online um, animal communication course for beginners all benefit the animals on the Painted Rain Ranch, and I also partner with other psychics and mediums who donate either all or a portion of proceeds from their sessions to support the animals on the ranch. So I really, I live my life in honor of the animals, and I will spend the rest of my time here in this physical form doing exactly that. And it is my absolute passion and joy.
0: And I wanted to mention, since you mentioned your, your animal communication class, um, I know people who have taken it live and every person that I know that has, because you used to come teach it in places I was teaching as well. And every person I know who has taken that class has said, I can't believe it but I can do this. I can communicate. <laughs> no,
3: it is it's really easy. Now I say that because if you love animals you're already doing this. There's no magic trick or special formula or anything. You just you're already doing this. I just show you how to really focus in and get those detailed messages because If you lived with an animal or have animals in your life, you already know there's an unspoken communication between you. You already know this. They can read your mind and you can read their minds. And sometimes they confuse us like, what the heck is going on in that fuzzy little head, right? But (laughs) it really is a simple process. The steps are very, very easy. You know, to take it to the level of, you know 26 years in the industry that's that's completely different you know that's that's a progression of sharpening your skills over the years but to get the basics and to learn how to send and receive a message it is very simple and i always say that you know if you love an animal and you believe it can happen you can learn how to do this if i can do it anybody can do it
2: Okay. I got uh, one last question for you. And it kind of falls into what you were talking about there. And then earlier we were talking about how how cats are snarky, because that's <laughs> what I call them. Whenever I'm dealing with them, getting, trying to get answers, yeah. Okay. So um, do you find that the different species, dogs, cats, and so on, um, communicate their information to you in a different way? I mean, there's some commonality, but is there also, well, as we say, differences between the species
3: i think so and let me explain why i think you know if you're a dog person you're gonna get more from dogs if you're a cat person you're gonna get more from cats and so on and so on and so on and so on so i think our natural preference the the species that we're drawn to they know that they know they already know that about us because you can't hide that from them. They're right. they're the best psychics in the on the planet. They're way better than we are.
2: Oh, yeah. So
3: I think inherently they are far more advanced. That they they use telepathy. Telepathy is the foundation for animal communication. It's just mind to mind messages. That's all it is. Yeah. They they use telepathic communication all the time. They're constantly sending messages in their lives you know, to other animals in the house or to you and I, you might think, oh, you know, your cat needs to go out or your cat needs his medicine or the treat or whatever it is, but you're picking up on those subliminal messages. Yes, there is some body language involved. Yes, there are vocalizations involved, but it really is a process that anybody can learn how to do. And cats and dogs, even though they have a similar way of sending a message, I think it's our propensity toward that species mm-hmm. that allows us to receive that information more readily, more freely, more accurately, mm-hmm. and more des- more descriptively.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um- yeah, because I, I like the way you said, you know, like, we, we think that, oh, we're, they have to go outside and go to the bathroom or something like that. You know, I, I should be taking them or something. You're getting that message already from the dog or the cat going, look, I got to go, man. Let's go. You know what I mean? Right. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that is that is a true statement to uh, communicating with any kind of an animal. So, well, thanks for answering that question. It yeah, sense. Thanks.
3: yeah you, you guys are just awesome with these questions today.
0: Really, really good ones. You're making my brain work. <laughs> well, we we like that because we don't want ours to have to. So we we yeah. put all the we we've all the hard work off onto our guests. By God, yeah, I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to go take a nap after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you do that, I would really like to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can get the books um, where they can support your sanctuary, where they can get in contact with you if they need anything at all that you would like to share.
3: Well, absolutely. So the easiest way to get my book right now is on Amazon. It's Kindle and it'll soon be on Audible, but we're only in working on the first 10 chapters in Audible. So that's going to be a little while before that gets out, but it is available on Amazon worldwide. You can also order a signed paperback copy through my website and reach me, get access to my online course and free resources through my website. I also have a free app. I don't know if I told you guys this, but (laughs) I have a mobile app called Pet Loss, Hope and Healing. You can download it to your phone right now and get access to free training. I also have a web version of the app. It's not as complete. It doesn't have as many bells and whistles, but you can get a really good idea of what's in the mobile version. It's free. If you want to go to the web version, it's just petlossapp.com. And again, all of this information is on my website, which is karenanderson.net. And that's the easiest way to find me, to reach me, to order copies of my books, please order like tens of thousands of copies of my books.
2: (laughs) Good pitch, good pitch.
0: (laughs) Well, I have just, I have just downloaded the app or I'm trying to, but it won't recognize my face right now. So yeah, (laughs) there's
3: other, um, there's other resources in there as well. It's, it's even got, I'm a, I'm a plant-based person so it's got some of my plant-based recipes in there. It's got all kinds of stuff for pet loss, afterlife, animal communication, training, uh, you name it. It's in there.
0: Well, Karen, this has been really great, which I knew it would be. Like I say, for anybody listening, honestly, if you have ever lost a pet um or know somebody who has, this book is healing. It's you're going to feel like you're being spoken to by your by your pet it's it's just a really beautiful book just have tissues ready
3: right (laughs) you know I also have two other books the amazing afterlife of animals we talked a little bit about and my first book hear all creatures and a lot of people may not know that you know I started this whole crazy career in law enforcement and it's all documented how animals started talking to me on crime scenes it's all documented in the book so you got to check it out
0: yeah, for sure. Karen's a great writer. She's a great teacher. I can vouch for her personally. So, Karen, oh, thank, thank you so you. much. This has been yeah, really fabulous. You,
3: uh, you guys are awesome. I love you all. Thanks for having me on. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Karen. Yeah, you nice bet. talk. Yep.
0: All right, everybody. That's Karen Anderson. Um, again, just really quickly, we'll put it in the show notes as well. Animalcommunicating.com is her website and paintedrainranch.com is the sanctuary if you want to help support that or see what it's all about and um we don't know who our next guest is but it'll be somebody exciting so we'll be back we'll be back in another couple of weeks with more thanks everybody for listening to are you guys ready i'm gonna get it you ready okay mindful thank you for listening to mindful mystics Good job! You You're did it! Good. Yeah! Thank you. All right.